It takes more than your proof of concept going to production against all your previous statements saying not to do that to be a great engineer. This is episode <laughs> 181 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show about all the non-technical parts of the technical field of software development. Shout out to Bruce from our Slack channel who we crowdsourced this intro to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've done this to another team too, though. Like, oh, cool, cool little test demo hackathon service you you got there that you deployed to a vm why don't i just bloop oh okay now my production app depends on it <laughs> thanks <laughs> please remember to restart it periodically yeah. I'll, I'll make sure to page you at home <laughs> yeah what's your home phone number again i just want to make sure this stays up <laughs> I, I can just hook up a little Twilio integration. <laughs> <laughs> when our calls fail, it'll just, the error messages will just text you. That's right. And thanks for the tier one support. Appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. We'll thank you in the source code. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll be credited. It'll be great. <laughs> Shout out to, to Alice. Thank you so much to her wonderful support. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and giving up her home life. Yeah. <laughs> To restart this service that she built in two days, right. five years ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I think we have some patrons uh, you to thank. talk about our wonderful patrons? Yes, I would like to do that. I'd like to thank those that are contributing on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show on Patreon, go to softskills.audio. Click support us on Patreon. The people who are doing that now are Matthew Voidovich, The Agile Ventures Charity, Bartek Tatkowski, Ted Nugent, Crash Bandicoot, Zach Granin, Maple Syrup, Louis Santos... Krishka, Kanapka, Piska, Jopka, Nick Kantar, Vinlock, Taras Haruk, Sean, Sunny Tai, Brittany Ellick, Sonic the Hedgehog, Ivor Robotnik, Florian Tadzel, Marie Rossow, Chris Hogan, Dimitri Jensen, and Stanley Tactical Radio. Thank you so much. We have an update from a listener from a previous question. So in episode 168, we talked about an engineer who was working from home and was worried their work from home privileges would be revoked because of some other developers. So here it is. I asked the work from home Jeopardy question and wanted to give you all an update. I was worried about an engineer who was less communicative when working remotely. The leader informed me that this pattern of inconsistent work existed before I started and I continued to see it as we worked together. This engineer's tasks would have unknown status for weeks and then either a task would get done all of a sudden or the engineer would reveal that an important task had not been started. This was immensely frustrating for the rest of the team and the engineer was eventually let go. And I retained my work from home days. Everything turned out okay. Yay, with several A's. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Great for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> this was the question where we had two terms that I thought were really funny. We had the leader, capital L leader, remember this one? <laughs> yeah, and it persisted in in the update. That's the right. The leader is still capitalized. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And then we also had the term NG, which I, <laughs> yep. we don't use that enough, I think. Yeah, that should that should be part of the standard lexicon i think yeah for sure all right well congrats to you and sorry things didn't work out for the other engineer yeah should we dive into our questions let's do it i'll read the first one this comes from a listener named max who says i recently took a job at a startup as the only front-end developer the distinction of front-end and back-end is new to me as all of my previous experience has been full stack development most of my work can only be started once a back-end developer has done their part there is only one backend developer who just so happens to be one of the co-founders of the company. Because he can't exclusively dedicate his time to backend work, though, due to his other roles within the company, I am left sitting at my desk 
writing to you, trying to figure out what to do with all this free time I suddenly have. (laughs) I love it. I'd like to stay busy and not just look busy. I'd appreciate any advice to help me get busy again. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I expect many more questions, Max. (laughs) You got some free time here. Let's burn it. Max is just furiously typing all the time. (laughs) What is he doing? What's up with Max and the Google Forms? (laughs) (laughs) his ide theme sure looks a lot like google forms (laughs) Uh, what a situation oh yeah most of my work can only be started once a backend developer has done their part which means most of my work can only be started once the co-founder has done their part yes which is a weird situation to be in so i've been on teams with the strict divide between backend and frontend before and even if there are full-time dedicated people you still have this time where people are twiddling their thumbs just kind of blocked or they have to pick up some other task that is like less important but not blocked and then there's more context switching and i like teams where people specialize but are also willing to unblock stuff by kind of jumping in to help so this stinks that's 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 the summary this stinks (laughs) and you're in the a worse version of it because it's this person who is probably hard to bug and also incredibly busy. Right. There's this trope in management or this idea that engineering managers shouldn't be in the critical path of feature work. I think we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. And I think this probably applies to, depends on the state of your company, but it could apply to your co-founder too, that yeah, co-founding a company is lots of things. And at some point, what it is not is cranking out code. Critical path backend code <laughs> is probably not. Yeah, <laughs> that, that other people's work depends on. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So this is tough. So- I actually have a legitimate technical answer to this question, but I'm trying to decide if on moral grounds I shouldn't give it because this is a soft skills show. Okay. <laughs> give it and and I'll give you a, an indulgence. Okay. <laughs> um, you can pay me to make up for saying technical things on this show. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I actually, I, I want to save it. I'll give some stupid ideas first. How about that? Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Look, so, I mean, okay, here's stupid idea number one. Obviously, the problem here is you have a back end. So clearly, the answer is serverless. Ah, yes, exactly. No back end driven development. And then your back end just exists. Oh, oh, just set up a giant Firebase database and just shove everything in there. It's like globally readable, you know, and just all the logic, business logic, everything's in the front end and just forget about the back end. Boom, unblocked. (laughs) Problem solved. And good news, it's really easy to build integrations against it because everyone can just read all the data. Yeah. And write all the data. Right. Super easy. You'll never get a permissions error, you know. Yeah. Think of a world without authentication. (laughs) (laughs) Think of all the overhead (laughs) spent. <laughs> with authentication that you can just bypass. Mm. So to continue the theme of technical stuff, you can do auth in Firebase, but I mean, why would you? It's yeah, why? <laughs> more, more work. Right. It's going to get in the way of the free flow of information. <laughs> yep. Okay, I like them. Okay. Any any more good ideas? <laughs> well, the other one is kind of a hybrid approach to that where you could build your own backend that's like a middleware. Call it like a middle end. I don't know, call it, call it your half stack point. Yeah. You know, basically stand up your own database, your own little backend, and just start building your backend APIs there. You've got the experience, you know, just set it up 
And then, you know, when you really, occasionally you might need to be blocked on this developer, but for everything else, you can just build your own. And you just call it a front end. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that runs, that happens to run in a data center. <laughs> call, yeah, call it like a cache or something, but really it's on persistent storage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> call it your CDN. So when I took this job, I joined a team of people who are like standing up hardware in data centers and working with work, like building routing software and stuff. So their definition of front end was very different from mine. Mm -hmm. And they kept calling like the back end API that I helped build the front end. Because <laughs> yeah. it's it's not like running on the network card. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay. So yeah, you, you, you could call it front end. You can call it whatever you want. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Got it. All your good <laughs> advice is given. <laughs> what else would they do? <laughs> well, I do have one serious soft skills advice. Should I give that one now? Oh, yeah. Why, please. Why, why do I keep asking your permission? Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when, yeah. When would I say no? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. guess I'm just scared of you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, so the question I have is, does your backend developer accept pull requests? I mean, could you just make the changes? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see the distinction of being hired as a front-end developer and being told kind of that's your area of expertise. But I feel like the company would be happy if you were blocked less, right? I mean, in, unless this co-founder just has a gigantic blind spot or huge ego or something and is like, no one could ever be blocked by me because I'm, I'm the champion code writer. My code is, uh, it writes while I do these like fundraising rounds. It's how good it is. I feel like you have you have a case where it benefits the company. You can pitch it as a benefit to them. Hey, like I know yeah. backend stuff. I'm blocked. I'll just do this. And why would they say no to that ever? Yeah, like you can review it. Maybe maybe you'll have to, you don't have time to write the code, but maybe they have time to review the code. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a really tricky domain and they're worried about you messing it up or it's not. Oftentimes code bases that one person writes don't have a lot of affordances for other people working on them. So there's like a complicated build process or it, there's just a lot of stuff that doesn't matter when only one person works on it because that one person knows how to do all the things. But I can't think of an argument where you sitting literally doing nothing while the co-founder does co-founder things is better for the company than you trying to progress. Yeah, for sure. I have seen this backend front-end developer hierarchy sometimes where backend developers get all uppity and think like our stuff is hard and important and your stuff is easy and dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and so maybe there's some amount of, maybe there's some, some lack of trust there of like, you couldn't possibly handle the complexity of writing to this SQL database. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's so true. Oh, if only I hadn't been guilty of this. The massive overhead. <laughs> Just the mind boggling amount of state you have to keep in your brain to click deploy on this <laughs> GUI or whatever. I don't know. But I think it's worth bringing up and saying explicitly, hey, I I can do this and I'm blocked. And it might also be worth, if it's a small startup, if which I assume it is because your co-founder is still in the critical path, right. then there's probably a biased action type of thing going on where if you just do it, that will probably work out better than... Asking permission? Yeah. I mean, you, you should just say, hey, I'm going to do this and then do it. There's this idea of if anyone objects, you, you say... So in this case, you would say, hey, I'm blocked a lot on backend changes. I am planning to make those backend changes myself. If anyone objects, please let me know. And then just go ahead and, and do it. And that gives a chance for people to step in if there's really something horrible. But if not, you can just keep going. 
And it, and it could also be that there's all kinds of issues like, oh, I have to get all these permissions to even run a local copy of the back end, and this person has to grant those permissions. It could be painful that way. Yeah. If you're blocked anyway, though, making, like, if it's hard to run locally or all that stuff, I mean, that's stuff you can fix with your time. And if you're blocked, I mean, once you've written us more questions, then that seems like a good yeah. place to invest yeah. your time. <laughs> <laughs> great just give us like a daily journal of you know what you're thinking about (laughs) i haven't gotten to my actual technical advice but when i've been in this situation before what i've found works pretty well is if you will as the front end person create mock api content and say here's what the urls i'm expecting here's the payloads that i'm expecting and actually just create it and then have like a little mock service that you can run locally that returns this data so you can start developing against it and this has the side effect or sorry it has the main effect of unblocking you so you can start building the ui but it has the side effect of creating a concrete thing that you can review with the backend folks and come to an agreement on what the api contract should be and it's much more concrete than just a whiteboard session or even a document because it's actually a working prototype that you can say look this is what i'm expecting it to do and then when the back end doesn't do that, you can say, look, this is what we agreed to. You got you to gotta fix it. So a little mock API service that you can run locally goes a long way to help you unblock and just fill it with fake data and get going. Look at you, Mr. Fancy Pants with your service. I, know. <laughs> I just like type JSON into my browser. <laughs> my mock API service is, is literally like JSON embedded in That's right. the page. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a range of fanciness you could do here. That's yeah. the fancier end, but you could also literally just like make one record in yeah, in just, your code. Just copy paste some JSON into a JavaScript file or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, I mean, that'll unblock you, but there'll be some integration point at some time. Yeah. Like eventually you can't ship the product until it's done, but you can at least get started. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it works <laughs> for this one record. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it, it might just be kicking the can down the road, though, where at some point the back-end work has to get done. That's right. I mean, that's exactly what it's doing. But kicking the can down the road is beneficial because the distance that you kick the can, it closes the total uh, time or reduces the total time to delivery. So the further you can kick that can down the road, the better. Just NFL punt that thing <laughs> 70 yards down the road. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. And I could see this... Um, I mean, maybe the the co-founder really is a code champion, code sorcerer, code sorceress, and and a small amount of their dedicated time will help. And it's just the calendar time of getting their dedicated time. In that case, that makes sense as, as doing a lot to reduce the total time. It'd be hard for interactivity. I mean, you'd have to do some thing that takes in data, but yep. I believe in you. You can do that. Yeah, why not? You, you're a full stack developer. Yeah, you can write to your JSON array in the browser. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> as well as read from it. Yep, there you go. Have we solved the problem? Have we answered the question? I think so. Good luck. This It sucks to be bored. That's why we expect more questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll read our next question. This is from an anonymous listener. Hey, Dave and Jameson, love the show. I've quit my job twice since I started listening, so I'm a super fan. <laughs> Long story short, I think I'm bored with coding. I just see everything as moving JSON around, putting it in a database or putting it in queues or on a screen. I've done mobile, I've done backend, I've done frontend, and it all just starts to look the same after a while. As an industry, I feel we've solved the hard problems and now it's degraded to this. What do I do next? Do I find a software product where the JSON moving around excites me? For example, a social good or cutting edge product. Do I look at something very different like embedded dev or game dev? No JSON there. 
Or do I look at tech leadership or people leadership? These options appeal, but I'm just five years into my career and 26 years old, and of course, no one takes me seriously. However, I have been very deliberate and have been very intense about my career, but now I'm feeling a bit done with coding. Team velocity problems interest me more than JSON APIs. People interest me more than code. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Thanks, and keep up the great work. All right. <laughs> huh. This is this is a great question. Yeah. I've got to pull up my LinkedIn for some research. One second. I'll I'll let you do the wisdom for a little bit. Okay. <laughs> what are you researching? <laughs> I'll, it'll, it'll all come together. I'll okay. tell you in a second. I'm just going to update it really quick. <laughs> are you just going to wait while I do my research? <laughs> yes. All right. So the question asker is 26. I was 27 when I felt the exact same way. Oh. I was like, my work is all the same. It's all boring. I'm just moving bytes around. It's it's there's no exciting technical problems. It's just kind of pulling tickets off a queue to smush some data around. And I wasn't interested in tech anymore. Hmm. And I wasn't going to quit tech cuz I have no other marketable skills, but I was just like <laughs> just bored whereas before I had been very engaged. Right. And what I actually was was burnt out. Hmm. So I think this could be an explanation for why you're feeling what you're feeling. That especially you've been very intense about your career. Maybe you've been working a lot of hours, focusing very intensely on learning and getting better. And it sounds like there could be some burnout here, which isn't like a permanent change in you, but kind of a temporary state, which might resolve itself in time. So that doesn't help in the short term, but it, it might remove this kind of existential fear of what if I just don't like this kind of programming anymore at all mm. or programming in general anymore. Yeah. For me, at least I felt those feelings and then they went away once I kind of took some time to recover and had a, a change of scenery. And what did that change of scenery look like? Oh, I quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> Was this when you quit your I job? I quit my job. And didn't have a new job lined up? Yeah. And then I got a different job. And that helped for a while. But there was still some kind of underlying stuff. And then I quit my job again and then went into consulting for a while. I, I do remember this feeling very explicitly of I've been focusing really hard on learning and growing and working really, really diligently. And I just don't care anymore. And I used to care a lot. And caring mm. is one of my superpowers. Like mm -hmm. caring a lot is how I make up for not being smart. <laughs> and so if I, I don't that. care, <laughs> what do I got? And I think if I were more mature, I would have recognized that and figured out how to deal with it without needing to quit my job. I, I think it, I mean, it worked out okay, but that's not always the best solution. But that's, that was my answer there was to pull the ripcord. All right. Hit the eject button. So you went to the extreme immediately. Yeah. I mean, even more extreme would have been to just leave the industry and become a lumberjack. Okay. But <laughs> I have soft, weak hands from years of typing <laughs> at a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> they would have mocked me mercilessly. Oh, I have repetitive stress industry from swinging this chainsaw all day. <laughs> like, just these big bearded guys with giant bellies laughing at me. <laughs> Pulling their suspenders. Yep. Everyone is Paul Bunyan. That's my imagine. That's my <laughs> mental model of the lumberjack industry. Nice plaid flannel shirts, suspenders. Yep. Big boots. Long big beards. jack boots. They're like forty feet tall. Isn't that how tall he was? <laughs> Blue ox. They give up on their chainsaws and just chop stuff down with axes for fun. Yep. Chainsaws are too easy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> have so... like jovial contests. <laughs> <laughs> all right back to software all right engineers. hit me 
I had a similar experience to the question asker, but it wasn't due to burnout. Um, At the time, I had been working in the industry for a couple of years, but I also had a few websites that I maintained on the side. And in my day job, I was not doing web stuff. And after a couple of websites, I realized, like, these are really boring. It was like, oh, show a list of things. (laughs) (laughs) Show a list of things, uh, have a form for creating a new thing, an edit button for each existing thing, and a delete button on each thing. And it was at this time that I accidentally coined the acronym CRUD, having not heard that acronym before. You know, create, read, update, delete. Well, I'm curious, what is that what your acronym was? Yeah, no, it was. Like, I, I came up with this on accident, and then later I found out that has... That's been in use for years before. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, these websites are just crud. They're just boring. Yeah. And, you know, you start to notice these patterns, right? Like after the second or third time you've done it, you're like, wait a minute. I'm spending a lot of time to just do this crud thing. Like, what a waste. It was about this time that Ruby on Rails came out, <laughs> so, <laughs> which basically, like, made all those all those sit-ups go away. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I had, I had a similar experience, and it was because I was repeating myself, like, basically doing the same thing as what this question asker is doing. Of course, we didn't have JSON at the time. This was, like, 2002. But we had, you know, just basic crud. And for me, I don't think I was burned out, but for me, what I found was that at work, I got super engaged. It was super exciting because I was working on, like, signal processing equipment and dealing with weird network protocols and all kinds of, like, threading race conditions and very challenging, like, high throughput systems and it was really really fun and engaging and i just basically never got tired of it at work but it was always new like there was always something new coming out it was never just shuffling json around and i never built a crud app really well i did build one i take that back but only one at this job okay so long long story short i think burnout is one possible explanation but it could also just be you're tired of repeating yourself and you do need to switch industries or go into a totally new field within software so I think the question asker mentions uh, a product that's exciting. That's definitely one avenue where you can find a lot of meaning in doing the same kind of work if the payoff is like, and I and this thing exists in the world that I really want to exist. Mm-hmm. There's maybe, I mean, maybe it's time to to do the rite of passage and build your own framework that makes it easy to pass <laughs> JSON around. And now that's you have right. framework problems instead of JSON problems. <laughs> <laughs> There's also, so these things are all pretty straightforward when you don't have scaling problems, but Mm. everything gets hard at scale. And I think that stuff is pretty fun. So you you could go, you could move JSON around at scale. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then you get to do a lot of fun stuff to make it fast and reliable and cheap and perfect and all, all the things that we get regularly as developers. <laughs> all, all the hallmarks of a project I've worked on. Perfect, <laughs> fast, cheap. Clean code. Well-documented, <laughs> clean code, yeah. Aligned curly braces. Yep, consistently passing unit tests. Yeah, yeah, but just, just like products without a ton of traction or with a small user base that just kind of move along. I, I've, I've also felt that boredom a little bit. And he either has to be connected with a purpose that I feel happy mm-hmm. with that, oh, this JSON here is going to do this thing that I care about a lot, mm-hmm. or it has to get harder. And those are both exciting too. Yeah, I feel the same way. In fact, my last company, we were working on a product that I really liked. I felt like it did a lot of good. It was very useful and our customers loved it. And the fact that we were just moving JSON around and you know putting JSON in a database, taking it out, putting it in a browser, didn't bother me one bit because I was way more focused on the results on the outcome of what the product was doing 
more so than the specific technology of moving the JSON around. That helped a lot. Now, it wasn't a social good. It wasn't like I was, you know, serving humanity necessarily, but I believe in the product. I mean, it was socially good in that it paid you money. Uh And with that money, you would be happy. And a happier Dave makes the world better place. A happier Dave is a social good. Yeah, exactly. So I think (laughs) now that we have that caveat. Okay. Should we talk about the last thing that that the question asker asked here? Should should they move into people management? Some kind of leadership role. So you're 26. How do you do this? Can you do this? You can if you work at a company where 26 is the wise elder <laughs> <laughs> experienced developer. Five, year, five years of experience. Holy cow. Tell us what to do, please. A yeah. wise one. <laughs> yep. I mean, that happened to you more or less, right? It, it did. Yep. Everyone was the same age except for one old curmudgeonly 31-year-old. Okay. I'm 32 now, which is <laughs> it's so bizarre to think that this person was like the wise elder developer. Uh-huh. And, and they wanted nothing to do with leadership. So, yeah, it, it, it was like by default. You could, I, I, I think it's fine to, to look to tech leadership or people leadership. I think people could take you seriously if you start exploring that option. I think it's not too early if that's something you're really interested in. You mentioned you're interested in team velocity. Um, I, I think you can still poke at that stuff. You might not be able to get hired as a manager, but you might, I don't know. So are you saying like tech lead might be a stepping stone or might be something to get you on board? That's what I should have said. Oh. Yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It, it depends on the industry and products and, and team that you're working on, probably. I could see places where it would be hard to do that effectively with, with your age and experience level. Mm-hmm. But I could see places where it'd work out okay, too. And maybe if there's other people on the team to help out, that could work. But also, being a people manager doesn't necessarily have to... You don't have to be the oldest and smartest and best at everything to do it. It's yeah. just a thing that you focus on instead of other things. That's right. And sometimes you can be a people manager just because you're the only one willing to set aside the code and do the things that no one else wants to do. And I've seen a lot of companies like that. So I would not, I would not let your age be a barrier. However, I would also not expect that you can just quit your job and then go get a engineering management job as your next job. Probably it would be safer and a more reliable course to try to work your way into leadership in your current company. Yeah, I think it's probably worth exploring with your manager, just saying, hey, I'm interested in this. Is there anything I can do to kind of poke at it or try it out? Yeah. Not not like a big role change or anything, but just help out with some stuff. Right. Yeah, I would do that. But I, I, I would probably say, I mean, you kind of have a fork in the road here. You can go jump into management, and, and which, by the way, is not a one-way door. You can go in and come back out not a problem. Or you can just explore new technologies, new like domains within the software industry. And there are a lot of them. I mean, one of the greatest things about being a software engineer is that you can go into so many different domains. I mean, virtually every domain has some kind of software need nowadays, whether it's medical or research or like I did signal, you know, I've done signal processing, I've done HR software, and now I'm working on a voice assistant for crying out loud. So it's like, these things have nothing to do with each other. And I get to go and just learn about these domains. And so it could very well be that you want to go explore that before you jump into the management role. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of good options for you. Mm -hmm. But I don't think being bored with moving JSON around is, I don't think that's a bad sign necessarily. Long careers in software usually involve doing a lot of way different things, like you said, Dave. So, And if you really want to engage your mental faculties, you could just switch from JSON to XML. (laughs) 
I was waiting for an XML joke to <laughs> pop up. The problem is you're moving JSON around. What if you were moving protocol buffers around? Yes. Perfect. Whole new world. I mean, you could just move JSON around in hard mode and say, like, we need <laughs> statically typed functional purity for our <laughs> services that move JSON around and write it in Haskell. Yeah. That's kind of like the framework problem in that you're not moving JSON around. You're like solving meta problems to help you move JSON around. That's right. So that other people can move JSON around with a few fewer keystrokes. Yeah. Well, not in this case. No one will be able to unless they all learn Haskell. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Haskell is like my frenemy language. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I talk about it a lot and it has some cool ideas and I'll learn more about it. And I've learned some stuff about it, but also I like to make fun of it. Yeah. Who doesn't? It's fun. Well, have we answered the question? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, first of all, don't get, I would say don't get discouraged. Um, this is a very natural course, especially after four or five years. You kind of have to figure out, I don't know, you kind of have to figure this out, I think, and work through it. But I think it's a pretty common common issue that developers face after four or five years. The other thing that I, I might suggest, just one last thing, is I have found that it helps to have kind of ups and downs, where you'll have times where you're aggressively coding and just moving JSON around like crazy, maybe for a few months at a time. <laughs> just moving the JSON so fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's flying all around. <laughs> and then and then maybe have a couple of months where you're focusing more on like architecture or operational issues or infrastructure or something else. Kind of varying your workload so that it's you're kind of reaching at a different part of your menu. And that was a weird metaphor, but you know, it's like you don't want to eat the same food every day, and and I think you don't want to work with the same technology every day. And at least for me, I like to vary it up. And so maybe that could be like the lowest barrier way to get out of this funk where you can just explore different parts of your already existing software system at your current job. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you want to make your builds go fast. Mm -hmm. That's always a thing you can do. There's there's always like developer. Uh workflow improvements to be done of course then you'll find out that your builds are actually just moving json manifest files around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's what makes the world go round it is so true it is so true as my heart beats it is pumping json around my veins <laughs> <laughs> sending little messages throughout my body saying hey keep existing yep <laughs> little json payloads yep lots all these uh, it's kind of a hybrid mic microservices monolith architecture. <laughs> Little messages that say, keep alive. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Have we answered the question? I think so. Good luck. We've done our duty. Have fun. Yeah. And if people want their own questions answered, they can go to softskills.audio, click ask a question. If you enjoy the show, please share on Twitter. Uh, probably other ways too, but... Look at them as much, I guess. <laughs> they don't have their hooks as deeply in me. Yeah. <laughs> and we will catch you next week. 